It's so good to have you tuned in today. I just believe the Holy Spirit has a word to impart into your life that can make a great difference. We are in a series, Living Upright in an Upside Down World. And we have looked at the subjects of optimism, seeing positive. We've looked at the subjects of having a heart of gratitude. And last week, we spoke about generosity. This week, I want to speak about the need of people within our lives. There's a song that goes, people who need people are the luckiest people in the world. Maybe not everybody can say that, but I believe if we can see the place that God has put within our life that is reserved for people, I believe that we'll become the richer for it. In the broadest terms, we need the cooperation and our dependence is on others to survive. For example, the person who grows our food, the person who provides our fuel for our vehicles, the person who drives the bus. Can I just suggest they are not just objects, they are people that are made in the image and likeness of the almighty God. We need people and we need each other. I think you should repeat that today. We need each other. I believe that friends and people in our lives, they are our safety net. They keep us safe and well. And we don't even realize it half of the time that in our reactions and actions to people and as we're getting on with life, that people are keeping us safe and well, just being in the environment of healthy people. I believe that physically, emotionally, and mental health and encouragement is all wrapped up in the people that we have within our lives and will draw within our lives. I love this scripture. And it says this, Proverbs 27 and verse 17 reads like this, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. Now, I know a little bit about iron sharpening iron. I used to be a butcher. So we'd pick up a steel rod with a knife and we would go up and down on the steel rod and our knife would be sharpened. And it seems like it's, how does that work? How does iron sharpen iron? It's just that interaction of moving our lives together that we become sharper within our lives. I believe we become sharper. I believe we become better humans when we realize the need of people within our lives. As we look at the the stats in this season, suicide is up. Depression is up. Alcohol consumption is up. And it's interesting to note, suicide, usually done all alone. Depression, usually we suffer alone. And if you're drinking and getting drunk alone all by yourself, I believe this is a crisis of aloneness. Don't live your life alone. 
As we look at the first book of the Bible, man's first challenge was not sin, but it was aloneness. Sin didn't enter in till chapter 3. So even before sin entered into the human race, there was another challenge that God and Adam had, and that was aloneness. You see, it's not good for man to be alone. I was reading the Bible this week, and it's always good to read the Bible, and I I found this scripture, and it's found in Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 8, and it reads like this. And it's a really sad verse, actually. There is one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother, yet there is no end to all of his labors, nor in his eyes satisfied with riches. He never asks, for whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and grave misfortune. Here's this guy working all by himself, but he has no companion. He has, he's all alone. He's got no family and he's laboring and he's saving up everything for what? For nothing. And it's vanity and it's, the Bible calls it, it's grave misfortune. And church, for the next few moments, I want to talk to you about something that I really feel is very serious. And I want to really drill it home strong today. I'm your pastor. I love you. And this has been on my mind for a number of weeks where I've been thinking about encouragement, how to bring this word to you today. And I just want to speak about things that we need to remain healthy. And number one is this, we need to be cared for and to care. We need to be cared for and to be a person that cares. As Jesus is coming to the cross, he has this meal called the Last Supper. And they all get round there and they eat their food and it's all fantastic and they're having their fellowship. But what they forgot to do, because in Jerusalem and the Middle East in those days, they just walked along these tracks and they could be muddy. It's where the, where the animals do their do's and everything happened. And you just imagine that, you know, if it was muddy, and the sandals and what your feet would have smelt like. And, and here they are, they come in and eat this meal. But what happened, as they came in, there was supposed to be someone washing their feet, but there was no one there. So they just come in and they have their meal. And then after supper, Jesus, he girds himself with a towel and he washes the disciples' feet. He sat down and he said to them, after he'd washed their feet, he says, do you know what I've done for you? He says, you call me teacher and Lord and you say, well, for that is what I am. And verse 14, if I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. And I love this last verse in verse 17. He says this, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now, I'm not suggesting today, as the custom was then, that we take our shoes off and wash each other's feet. But I really believe it's having a servant heart that as we see a need, that we are willing to humble ourselves and to meet that need. It's 
following Jesus' example, that nothing is beneath us, nothing is beyond us, because each one of us needs to show care and we need to receive care. Let me put it this way. You've got to know how to give help. And I believe probably the majority of people, you know how to give help. If someone's in need, you help them. And I want to encourage you in that because, and especially those that are in your life and even beyond your life, we need to know how to give help just like Jesus did, where he said, I didn't come to be served, but I come to serve. But on the flip side of that, we need also to have the humility to receive help. I'm one of these people who love to help. But sometimes I'm in a, in a situation where I need, my, need someone to help me. And sometimes in our pride, we don't allow people in. For you to be healthy, you need to know that you need to be cared for and that you can care for others. Romans 12, it says, be kindly affectionate to one another in brotherly love, giving honour, giving preference to one another. Verse 13, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Then it says in verse 15, it reads like this, rejoice with those who rejoice. Ah, we've got to learn to do that. This is all part of being cared for and to caring for others. Hey, if someone has a celebration, if someone gets a car, if someone passes an exam, if someone's got a new pair of shoes, whatever it might be, why don't you rejoice with them? Sometimes we get envious and think, why isn't that blessing mine? But we are to rejoice with those who rejoice. And also we are to mourn with those who mourn. You know, over my life, I've done a few funerals. And going to the family after they've lost a loved one, it's heart-wrenching. That's not the time to rejoice. That's the time to mourn with people. You see, it's this giving and taking. It's the giving of emotional support. It's the giving of practical support. It's just knowing that you are cared for. I believe that we have the opportunity to care for people. And some people say, well, where do I find people that I can care for? Where can I find people that they can care for me? I believe the best way, and our church provides this, is small groups, life groups, where you can get into a smaller group and you can be known and others can know you. I don't want you to be alone, not only in this season, but in the seasons of life. Choose not to be alone. We need people. And you might say, yeah, I've been in small groups before and it didn't work out. Well, use wisdom, use discretion, find the right group of people to mix with and allow God to build people around your life. There's another scripture in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 5. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who the God of all mercy and the God of all comfort. Now hear this, who comforts us in all of our tribulations that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble, listen, with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. And verse five, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, 
we do suffer. We go through troubles. We go through hard times. And he says, so as the sufferings of Christ abound with us, so our comforting also abounds through Christ. What he's saying is that no matter what you're going through, my comfort and my consolation is with you in that situation. As you have received God's comfort in a situation, you will have that opportunity to bring that comfort to many. Point number two, the need for encouragement. We need people. That word "n" means in, to put courage in. You know, sometimes we may go through a rough season, but as we look to God and find his comfort and find his encouragement, we look around and we can just see that we are probably doing better than most people. So here's an encouragement from the Word of God found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25, and it reads like this. Let us consider one another. So when we're speaking about people, we are speaking about considering others. And to consider others is that you are taking the time to be considerate. And he says... Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So you've got to think about, how can I encourage? How can I encourage? How can I stir up love? What's the action? What's the attitude that flows out of my life? Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. You see, we're not meeting physically at the moment, but I really believe the Word of God is still relevant today. He doesn't say, well, don't worry about it when COVID's on. No, he says, come on, keep meeting together. I believe today we are meeting together. We are in our homes, we're in our different places, but we are meeting together at one time and in one spirit, allowing God to do something great within our lives. And I want to encourage you, come on, do not neglect the meeting together as is the habit of some. Encourage one another, so we don't get discouraged by life. I was just thinking about this subject and a person popped into my mind and I just gave them a call and it was just the right call at the right time. I'm just wondering, who's popped into your mind lately? Have you just let them pop in and you don't do anything about it? If someone pops into your mind I believe it's the Holy Spirit telling you, give them a call. It just may be the right call at the right time to lift them up and to encourage them. Point number three, people work together as a team. John 15 and verse 5 reads like this. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. So he's establishing himself. He's the vine. He's the trunk. We are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nilch. You can do something, but the real results 
happen when you are abiding in Christ and staying connected to him in your day-by-day lives. Get up every morning and just say, come on, Holy Spirit, you're here. We're going to attack this day, and we're going to be fruitful for you in our work, in our studies, in our interaction. Something's going to flow out of my life, and we're going to be a team working together. A family needs to work together to get things done. Just imagine a family, you go there, mum doesn't know what to do, dad doesn't know what to do, the kids are all over the place, who's kicking meals, who's cooking meals, who's putting the rubbish out, who's bathing the kids. Hey, we need teamwork to get things done. And even as a church, you see, your tithes are helping people in Liverpool, in Australia, in Africa, in providing water, in Thailand for our orphans, in Cambodia, in helping people to grow crops so they can be self-sustaining, in India with medical, in the Philippines with medical, in the Middle East, in helping with the restoration of the, the, that great bombing, terrifying thing in Beirut. You see, we can do more together than we could ever dreamed of doing alone. Ephesians 2.16, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God ordained beforehand that we should walk in them. I believe that God is in togetherness. We are doing the work of God together. As a team, we can achieve much more. Number four, people. People protect us. I was brought up on a farm and we used to have sheep. If the sheep stayed as a flock, they were pretty safe. But if they wandered off by themselves, they were always subject to wild dogs getting caught in a fence or something like that. There's something about being together where there is protection. I'm always thinking, who's got my back? Who can see what I can't see? You see, if I'm in fellowship and I'm looking at my friend here, you can't see what's behind you, but I can. I can't see what's behind me, but you can. And that's why we need each other because there is parts of our life where we just can't see. There's blind spots and we need people in our life who love us that will protect us. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12, it says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labour. If one falls, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. If again, two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can they keep warm alone? Probably get an electric blanket. But it's something about being together. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. We can see from that verse that two are better than one. Someone that is close to you to encourage and care, to get things done, to protect. And I thank God for the people that are close in my life. Because I've got my blind spots. 
But I thank God for people in my life that can just protect me, cover my back so I can walk through life in a safer way. Here's a thought. Have you got someone in your life that can ask you the hard questions? We're not talking about someone we don't know. They can ask them, but we're not going to tell them. You know, someone that will ask us the hard questions like, how are you? And when people say how I am, I just say, I'm all right. But if they're closer to me, they'll say, how are you really? And then it puts me on my back leg and I just think, man, I've got to think, how am I really? And then they may ask me, how's Carol? How's Carol going? How are the kids? How are the grandkids? You're spending time with, how, how are your finances? Are you out of debt? Are you, you know, are you tithing? Are you honouring God? Are you walking with God? People that can ask us the questions, not every day, but every now and again, that we give them permission to speak into our lives because we see things that we see, but we don't see things we don't see. You need people in your life that have got your back. And when you've got people like that in your life, don't be afraid to speak to them the truth. As I found this this week, and I just want probably to put it up on the screen and we can read it again. If you are the only one who knows your troubles and secrets, you're in trouble. We don't tell everyone our secrets and what we're struggling with, but a trusted someone that we know that's a confidant, that will know that won't spread it around everywhere, they've got our back covered and they'll go on the journey to see us become whole and better in every area of our life. The fifth one is, who's praying for me? In John 17, I love this because this is Jesus' prayer. He prays this for his disciples. He prays it for the world and he prays it that the people may be one. But in this first part here, he's praying for his disciples and he says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but I pray for those who you've given me for they are yours. You see, we can pray for the world, but are we praying for those that are ours? Every day I pray for my wife and my children, pray for the staff, I pray for those in my life group, whoever God, you know, drops into my spirit. You pray for those that are yours. I believe that the reason why Jesus did this, he prayed for his disciples because he knew his disciples would go and win the world, but he wanted to pray for them. I am becoming more and more aware of the principalities and powers you know, evil forces that are arrayed against us, but there's something in the power of prayer that can cover us and keep us secure and keep us together. You see, God will help us as we rely on him. But have you got a few people in your lives that will take care, that will encourage you, that you'll work as a team, that you will protect, that you will pray? And my prayer is, help us to give strength to people 
and help us to receive strength from people and encouragement from people. I know it ultimately comes from God, but I believe that it can flow through people as we allow the value of people to be established within our lives.